and welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight I have Josh Cacho. Josh, what's going on? Uh, you know, it's one of those ones where usually on the second time around, we've usually been able to find some, you know, uh, look look to the bright side of things and find some positives. And this was definitely not one of those games. I think it's one of those ones where both you and I agreed that on the second watch, it was actually harder to watch than the first time, which, again, is usually not the case. Because, again, from a tactical perspective, you can see what they were trying to do and some of the, the you know, the principles underlying principles still coming through even though some of the moments didn't come off this is one of the game where they didn't look like they were playing with any principles at all it was just you know it looked like it was just an run-of-the-mill ugly mls game where you know you're just kind of lumping the ball forward and seeing what happens yeah yeah i mean that first half aside from like the very first five minutes was just bad i mean so bad and then the second half like you said now we're just trying to play direct and we had a little bit more success i think mostly because toronto starts to pack it in a little bit more and decides that they're just going to kind of concede more possession and defend um but man if this game was not good again I, I was at the game on saturday night and was pretty frustrated with what was going on and i think i'm more frustrated after seeing it on tv um for the second time that it was just so, so ugly. Uh, Josh, what are the, some of the things that you saw? Let's, let's just start there, see what you have to say in general about the tactics and what went wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that I wanted to start with was obviously the the namesake of our of our podcast and kind of the the base by which you know our 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 defense runs by, and that's the counter press, which was next to non it was non existent for this match. Right, you mm-hmm. saw a lot of people running hard, but without a whole lot of purpose. And again, that that's been the opposite of how we've pressed, which has been more where you know, again, from the top, you usually have you know your whether it was Ramirez earlier in the season or Dia more recently, pushing the ball from left to right, and then at that point, you'd see the trap sprung between one of the wingers and one of the midfielders, or so on and so forth. This seemed to be mo- a lot more of just individual guys running at the person with a ball. But then what that was starting to do was open up space for, you know, more and more it was starting to open up space for Toronto's passing to come off, you know, and occasionally we get to a ball, you know, again, because it wasn't like Toronto was excellent, you know, by any means. Right. Um, but, you know, you'd see them, you know, they would pick off a pass and maybe create a chance here or there, but not nothing to the extent by which, you know, our, our counter press had no, has normally been creating offensive opportunities by, you know, again, by trapping the ball in the corner and now springing it out wide. Now you're getting people shifted over, you know, in one direction or another. This was tended to be more like you're not really making Toronto move the ball in any particular direction. It was more, you know, you just happen to intercept the ball in a position, you know, in a, in the, like a really static four, three, three, and then running at, at goal. Right. And, you know, I think it was Vince, you know, Vince that kind of one time pointed out, you know, like I think it was kind of a cool um, quote where he says, you know, the your your formation is basically just where you, your starting position. Right. So, you know, I think yeah. it, it come in a discussion. We we're talking about Brian Fernandez and his his role as a true number nine or whatever they want. You know, whatever we were going back and forth with Doyle about that 
um, that whole thing. And mm-hmm. when you look at some of those different things where, you know, where we had played by that, that mantra for the majority of the season, where again, it, it's the four, three, three was really just where we started and it morphs as the game goes on. And as situation comes, we basically sat in that for the majority in the game with not a whole lot of actual movement that didn't make Toronto, didn't really stress, stress Toronto in any direction per se, occasionally vertically where, you know, like Vela would slip in between the lines and they would play, you know, get a nice little through ball or things like that. But again, nothing that was going to pull them in, in directions the way that we, we have been all season long where you're getting teams moving all over the park and having to recover and playing with a little bit more desperation. This was one where they basically just could sit back and let us come at them without much effort. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, what you're what you're getting at here is a, an important point where you say that we're not able to stretch them as we should, and I think this is where the blueprint comes in on how to deal with LAFC. And I know there's been some hesitancy on if Minnesota or Galaxy put out a blueprint, um, but I think after five games of you know all you know a bunch of draws and a, and a and a, your first loss at home. I think it's safe to say that there is a blueprint, especially considering so many of these teams have played in a similar manner, where Toronto now has a back line of four that sits pretty compact, and then Michael Bradley is just in front of them, almost like a a third center back. Um, And what that does, especially when you have Carlos Vela in the nine, in the nine spot, uh, it takes away any space that you would pass the ball to through because now you know he's he's essentially marked by two center backs and Michael Bradley and say what you will about Michael Bradley but he's a body there and he's going to be at least hard to pass around when there's two other center backs in the way as well um and I mean that's exactly what we saw from Minnesota they parked a bunch of defensive midfielders in front of four center backs uh or uh four defenders that is I'm sorry and uh, the Galaxy did the same thing. You, you know, they're they're taking away the passes through the middle. And we don't seem to have a true identity out wide anymore. Maybe we never did. Um, maybe it was really just Rossi getting in behind um, on, on quick counters and Vela being brilliant in one-on-one situations and occasionally 1v2. Um, but we don't have a target striker that we can cross the ball into. I don't think even with Dio in the lineup, we had a striker that was really stretching the back line all that much. And I don't think that's really going to be Vela's game. Vela's game is going to be to come back, receive the ball as like a false nine and then run a goal. Like you said. So, well, I mean, I to that point, you know, I think if you look at, you know, look at a couple of the best teams in the world, whether it be Manchester city or Liverpool or, you know, um, you know, those two and, or Barcelona for that matter, right? None of those teams really have a target striker that stretches a defense in the way that we may be thinking about right now and the way we're thinking, mm-hmm. okay, do, you know, cause again, that, that's more of a vertical stretch where you're stretching, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're basically playing off the shoulder of the defender and then trying to play a ball into the, you know, that, that's how, that's how guys like Zlatan play, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Kane, you know, over at Tottenham, guys like that where Again, there it's a different 
type of buildup, you know, than than we've we've played in, and the the style by which Bob has kind of set this team up has been more in that possession mold, where you, again, you it it's more positionless. You don't necessarily need that guy, but it requires movement, right? And that's the one thing yeah. that you didn't see a whole lot of is movement within the formations, you know. And so again, if if Vela is not going to be you know, is not a guy that's a target striker that can get in, you know, that's going to get in between, play a flush holder, play a header into the box or that kind of thing. And Rossi's not going to do that either at, you know, what, five foot seven, mm-hmm. however tall he is. Um, you know, what you have to at least expect, right, is Vela to play that, you know, Bobby Firmino role or, or, you know, Messi when he was in, you know, in that, in the Pep Guardiola days where they're dropping deeper, pulling. Now what that does is pull the center backs forward, Right. And then from there, you're making diagonal runs from the outside. Right. But then what you ended up having LAFC do was whenever Vela would drop into space, Rodriguez is waiting for the ball at his feet. Right. As opposed to making a diagonal run in behind so that Vela can play them into space. Right. So what you want is, again, when if Vela starts up in, in that number nine, drops into space as that false nine, you make those diagonal runs. Right. Now, as you as he plays that ball, now he can flip and make that turn and go and run and then play with them, and you play one twos that way. Well, again, it was just static, right? What you saw a lot of was balls being played out wide, and then it was you know so Vela would pick up the ball, play the ball to Rossi, who would basically just you know shoot or try drive directly at him, again drive at goal without actually having anyone there with him to support him or, you know, no one's really making the run with him, that kind of thing. And so it just turned into a lot of one-on-ones that, again, this has never been a a a, a key point in the offense or the way, you know, a style, you know, a type, of, a type of style that we've seen previously. This is something that for whatever reason, again, when you don't, I don't know if it's a lack of chemistry amongst the front three or what, but you just don't see that continuity being played as to know when to run. When I drop here, then you go there, those types of things. It was very much like, this is where I'm supposed to be. If I don't get the ball here in this position, then I'm not doing anything. <laughs> it's almost what it felt like, right? So again, usually it's 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 move, replace, it's pass and move. It's finding those passing triangles. And when you go here, then I'll go there and I'll replace it. And a completely, like we were all waiting for, was that completely rotating and revolving front three that interchanges and then when you have that then you also have the midfield being able to interchange at times too because you do have a false nine so then you can have runners from the midfield and so you're always maintaining that balance of basically having anywhere between three and five forwards right at a minimum three midfielders and then two defenders deep but again i think we are talking about this previously the balance was all over the place and with the balance being all over the place you at least have to have some kind of movement but again it wasn't there just wasn't any movement there. It was just yeah. Sorry static. for interrupting here, but I, it's important. I think that we hit on this topic of other movement uh, in, in the formation, especially when you consider how we play, which is with inverted wingers who are going to look to cut in the ball somewhere around the 18 and look for either a shot on goal or, or another pass. And one of the things that's made it easy to defend against is when we don't have fullbacks who are overlapping and then driving all the way to the line and then cutting a cross back inside, there's no threat of, you know, there's no wide threat. So essentially what these teams are doing is they're just stacking up center backs and defensive midfielders at the top of the box 
And as soon as Vela or, or Rossi cuts in on their preferred foot from the left or the right, then it's all over because now you have uh, you know a center forward who's completely covered up and you're basically left with the midfield receiving the ball in front of all these defenders and everybody trying to just dribble through. And everybody else is just ball watching, waiting for somebody to possibly squirt through the line with the ball still stuck to their foot so they can take a shot on goal. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's probably why, you know, like guys, you know, that's likely what we're probably hoping to get from someone like Gigi Palacios, right? And, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know, and then Blackman for that matter. And you saw it come off in the second half a little bit better when Blackman comes in. He's able to stretch things a little bit more and open up open up that part of the game. You know, and, and again, I think it's one of those things where, again, at this point in the season, people are going to make those adjustments. And the interesting thing, you know, and maybe even just more frustrating than interesting is that we haven't we haven't been able to make that adjustment to now play that next phase of the game when when you can't when things aren't you know you can't play you know in that same normal style that we've been used to whatever in terms of just possession and cut through people you know because teams are more open at this point you're going to play teams that are more organized defensively you're going to teams that are are more are going to play you know, more resolute defense at this point in the season because, again, they figured out their best lineups and those kinds of things. So you're going to have to bring it, you know, bring a different approach to breaking down that defense than you normally would. And, again, when you when people have figured that this is the way that we want to attack, you know, um, you know the defense is to basically play through the middle, you know, play very direct and do those types of things it makes it pr- pretty predictable now at that point to figure out how to stop it. Because again, mm-hmm. we haven't shown that next, that next, you know, that next level or that next approach that's going to, you know, throw a team for the loop, right? It's, it's more or less what, what you would expect, you know? Yeah. So let me take it a step further than Josh. Are you starting Blackman and either Munir, El Munir or Palacios on Wednesday against Houston? I think you have to start one of the two, right? I mean, simply for the fact of, you know, again, you went into Houston last time with a rotated squad and were able to pull one on, and I think that was the one where you saw Elmanier play really well, and, you know, obviously Vela didn't play that game coming off of that, you know, I think there was just a rash of games. and Oh, it was the, he had the um, U.S. Open Cup like a day before right, or something right. like that. And so, you know, obviously... You know they and they're a different team now since they fired Wilmer Cabrera, and so you're going to have a couple different looks from both sides of the ball. But I think at this point, right there, if if you've if you're Houston and for the last five games you've seen this tactic work, you're likely coming with something fairly similar. You know, and so at that point you're going to have to find that creative with somewhere. My guess is again, have Harvey having played the full ninety. That's where I think you have to go with one of the two on that side. And then again, you you can make a judgment call on the right-hand side, depending obviously on what your matchups look like, where you think you're going to have the best, you know, is the left or the right side going to be the side that's going to be most vulnerable to attack. And I think, yeah. again, given given what we've seen, you know, or given just the amount of miles that they've put on Harvey thus far, you know, I think that may be the better side for, you know, on short rest is to go with one of those two on that left-hand side or even go with both, um, you know, and then, but again, it, it really just depends on, 
at that point, the forward is making the correct runs because you could put whatever whatever fullbacks you want out there, but if the forwards don't don't interchange and move in the way that allow, you know, and 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 get into the in the position for for the for the, you know, for the crosses to come into, you know, again, does it really matter? Or if you if Vela is not dropping into space from the false nine or making certain things to pull the fullbacks out of the you know to pull the center backs out of position. Right, they can just drop deeper. They can continue to drop with the fullbacks on the wing, and it again, it doesn't really matter at that point, right? So what you have to see is Vela dropping into space, or whoever's playing the nine at the on uh, the nine tomorrow, them drop into space. The fullbacks push high, and then now because the fullback, I mean the center backs have been pulled out, now there's room in behind for those inverted wingers to make the diagonal run with the cross coming in. And yeah, so again, yeah. it it has to all come off. But again, the chemistry is not quite there amongst the front three, um, you know. And then you see it on multiple levels, whether it's on the press or on the offensive side. It's a lot of people just standing around watching, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, which is completely different to what we've seen throughout the majority of the season. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about people standing around watching because that's, uh, in large part, how the the Toronto goal comes off. And there's a couple other sequences as well where we're caught ball watching. We're just lucky to not have conceded another goal. Um, so you have, what's his name? Laria, right? Yeah. The Toronto winger. Or he's the he's the right back. Okay. So he picks up the ball and starts driving at towards Jordan Harvey. And Jordan Harvey just starts to jockey, delay, delay, delay. And you have both... Mark Anthony K and Latif Blessing kind of in the area, uh, but nobody actually puts in a challenge on him. Everybody's just kind of getting back, getting back, getting back. You start to see Segura pop out, and I think it's Segura that actually puts in the initial tackle on him, not Harvey. Harvey gets beat, I think, by some sort of feint. And then the ball kind of pops loose, and Mark Anthony K decides to just kind of toe poke it across through to Jordan Harvey and Eddie Segura on the other side so we can possess the ball and play out of the back, right? Um, and I think it's maybe Posuelo that ends up getting a foot onto it and the ball pops loose to Josie Altador, who is unmarked in the box, uh, while Endo is also unmarked in the box. And Stephen Betashore is kind of standing on the spot just watching as well as Zimmerman. Everybody's just standing here watching. Um, ball goes to Josie Altador. Everybody panics and says, oh, that's the one guy we can't leave on the ball in the box unmarked. As soon as Beta Shore makes a run at, uh, at Altador, he just plays the ball out wide for Endo, and Beta can't get there fast enough. I think, I think uh, Miller's positioning here is good. He takes away the near post, and it's a tough angle Endo scores on, but... Uh, one nil. Anything I'm missing on that goal? No, I mean the biggest thing is like I said, it's cheap giveaways. It's you know, again, lack of a just situational and field awareness. You know, it's all the, the things that, you know, usually we've we've you know, we've only conceded during things like set pieces and some of those things that we had obviously we've we've, you know, noted our frustration with. But again, for them to do it in the run of play is something that has been wholly uncharacteristic from this team throughout the majority, you know, since throughout the majority of the season. And for whatever reason in this game, you just saw all those things kind of come at the same time, which again, didn't end well for the team. Yeah. 
quite a few other sequences in the first half, especially where, uh, like you say, there's just a lot of ball watching. Um, there's one in the 25th minute. Endo gets a, another uh, look at goal from kind of the same spot, and that's due to an underlapping run. He he, he essentially just blows right by Latif Blessing and Stephen Betashore, who are both looking at one of the initial passes uh, as Endo just makes this underlapping run right through everybody. And, he, and, and he's played in behind. I don't know who it is. It plays a one-time pass, and I think Walker Zimmerman ends up falling down trying to lunge at it, and uh, Endo's in on goal. So, yeah, it just it's really frustrating to see them play like this. Do you think there's any... Uh, validity to the the midfield is tired because they played too many m- minutes argument? No. Not, I mean, based on the way that they played, I mean, it's not like they look slow. They just look disjointed, right? And, and again, I think that's the annoying thing. And again, it, it doesn't seem like the way that they're playing, it's not like they're playing from behind. It doesn't look like they're chasing. It doesn't look like they're late on certain things. It just looks like they haven't played together. Right in terms yeah. of how things are yeah. coming off, and again, that given that this midfield three has been, you know, the main, you know, kind of the main three for the majority of the season, I find it right puzzling as to why again this is what they look like as of now. Beginning because it's definitely not things that I think you would assume would should be happening at this point of the season. Right at this point, you expect you know we're expecting them to continue to improve continue to get better those types of things and more for whatever reason as of late the team has looked almost worse at times you know in um you know in in terms of their chemistry you know not even just like the execution or some of those things it's just like their ability to play together it just doesn't the way that it it comes off doesn't even look it looks like this they're just getting to know each other for the first time in terms of how they're playing I know I had texted you during the game that the midfield just looks slow. And I think we talked about this on the last show. Not necessarily like you said that they aren't moving fast. It's that they're they're processing the game too slow. And they're taking too many touches on the ball before passing it away. Uh, and it does seem like they've lost some of their chemistry. They don't know where to anticipate people being. So you see Mark Anthony Kay, especially in this match, taking an extra two or three touches. And in the meantime, one of the Toronto midfielders will recover and take the ball off of him from behind. I I feel like that happened at least five or six times, which is kind of mind boggling. If you think about it, Um, it's it's tough to say what actually caused this other than, you know, international, (laughs) international duty. I I, I really don't know because, I mean, I guess you had Atuesta leave with K as well. And so only blessing was left, but yeah, but even then, like I said, it's, it's one of those things where, again, this is where you usually expect it to, to, to figure out and those types of things, but it just seems like they've gone away from the print, you know, from again, the print, the principle, right. Which is where LAFC, I think had been so much, you know, why they had been largely so successful to me is they stuck to, you know, those underlying principles in terms of how they went about their play and so on and so forth. But again, for whatever reason, it's almost felt, you know, it almost feels like they've abandoned some of those things in favor of, again, I don't know if it's just more 
people in a more one-on-one approach because again that's what it looks like it just looks like you know you're in a you know like you're in a it's almost like you're watching like a exhibition travel basketball game and everyone is just trying to get theirs as opposed to playing within you know again your your system of play and your freedom of play and that kind of thing as you know and again more and what it seems like it's more of his people just doing their own thing you know again which isn't conducive to winning yeah do you think there's anything to the idea that we discussed a little bit before about um teams placing a forward or two in between the back line and Atuesta, who is essentially the single point of entry into the midfield because we have K and blessing push so far up the field, oftentimes in a press and sometimes just because they're not coming back to pick up the ball. Uh, and again, with the fullbacks vacating their, their positions to get forward, oftentimes you're just left with the center backs looking for Atuesta and uh, now he's being covered up by at least one, if not two or three forwards. Yeah. And so I think like it's, it's just mind boggling as to see again, what them not be able to figure out that, that balance and that flow and that adjustment, you know, at this point, at this point in the season, right. You would think this is where you're just making slight tweaks to it and doing little things like that. But again, it just looks disjointed. Right. I mean, a slight tweak, like, the fullbacks dropping a little bit deeper to provide another another entry pass yeah. from each center back or the eights coming back, right? And now you can leave the fullbacks up high because now you have Atuesta and uh and K and Blessing all kind of providing uh passing options for the center backs instead of them with their foot on the ball trying to decide what to do and you know, Zimmerman is now taking on defenders one v one, which to be honest, he hasn't been bad at. No, but, but it's not your, I mean, but it's also not your strong, you know, your best, you know, it's not what you want. You know, it's not ideal either. Right. Or, right, or for that matter, right. like Tyler Miller's distribution, you know, from what I could see was pretty good, you know, but mm-hmm. again, do you want him hitting long balls? 50% of your 50% of the time that you're trying to play out the back. Right. It's just right. like, you have to have a little bit more. Right. And I think that was just that one thing that you didn't see. Whereas again, you knew they were going to man mark Atuesta, and maybe they were. You know, I think they were man marking, um, the basically the, the the all three of the midfielders were man marked at times. But you just have to have a little bit more. Again, like at that point, why not invert that and then have the fullback stay back to provide that entry point, and then just have your midfielders play out wide. Like you can do that. Right. It's a thing right. that that's that that teams and really good teams that that do across you know all over the yeah. world. Right, yeah. in terms of having the midfielders play out wider when you want the forwards to tuck in or just have the forwards play out wide, right? Which they've, you know, Vela's been doing that all year long. So for whatever reason, I don't know if they were just trying to prove a point or what, but this was the most tactically inflexible I've seen the team in a while. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up the forwards out wide because now you have so much skill on the wings with Rodriguez and Vela. It seems like a no-brainer to put them out wide. And I know we've made a lot of hay on this show about, you know, this rotating uh, three-man front where you never know where anybody's going to pop up. And while I still do like that, um, it seems crazy not to utilize Vela one-on-one or Rodriguez one-on-one out on the wing with other runners involved because 
they're both so good at it. I mean, we've in the short time that we've seen Rodriguez, we've seen what he can do to embarrass uh, the reigning MLS Defender of the Year, who is presumably the best defender in all of MLS, right? And he just makes him look absolutely silly. Um, so utilize that somehow. Yeah, you know, and but I think a big part of it too is like even when they do it, right? The positions that that Kay and Blessing are getting themselves into are not great, right? And yeah, so, yeah, right. What you expect is they throw out wide, right? And you see that happening as as they you know say you, Rodriguez gets the ball on the wing out wide, and then he makes that cutting right inside one on one. Well, what you expect is to see one midfield runner, you know, you know, likely because again because of the location where they're one of the fours is probably going to drop a little bit deeper, you know, on maybe on the opposite side or from the middle, right. To create that, you know, Vela should be dropping it down to create mm-hmm. that space from the middle of the field. And you have the runner from the opposite. So then you, you're always constantly maintaining that balance, you know, or, or that you have the two, you're going to have the two fullbacks sit alongside one of the holding midfielders in the midfield. Right. But what you started to see at times was you have your two defenders back and then one person in the midfield and then like seven people forward and they're all just clogging a space as opposed to, yeah. again, giving, providing room to run. And again, I think that's the more frustrating thing is there, there just wasn't, you know, as much as they're, they want to do, you know, they want it, they're putting themselves in position out on the wing to do stuff, whether that's actually the fullbacks or the wingers, whatever it may be. The midfield is, you know, the middle of the park is so clogged and that's not just from their defenders. It's also from our own guys. And again, because again, to me, it's, it seems like it's a matter of field awareness and those types of things. And people are making runs at the wrong time and, or, or, or not moving when they're supposed to, you know, it's like, if this guy comes up here, then you need to vacate back down and, and provide more, you know, and replace him in the midfield and do those types of things. Whereas it's, you basically have the front three K and blessing making runs from there. And then for, you know, every now and then Atuesta is also making that run there. So you're basically stuck with, you know, Harvey when he was, you know, a couple of times because he was just playing smart, staying back or more often than not just Walker and, you know, and Segura staying back and then getting put on an Island when you have that ball player for the top. And then now they're getting shifted left or right without help from a midfielder. And so right. again, just, just little things in terms of, you know, being able to play an, a second midfielder in, in possession or to play a one of the, um, you know, even take the Burhalter approach and have that right back tuck in and have him play from that position. You know, like those are things that Beta yeah, can do well, yeah. you know, and as much as like, you know, we, you know, give Burhalter crap on, you know, when we talk about the national team for his inverted fullback, you know, and da 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 da, you know, it's not a bad tactic to be able to throw at teams, you know, every now and then. You know, and again, yeah. because especially when they're playing in the specific way, where the middle of the field is is intentionally clogged with, you know, at minimum the two center backs, and then the center defensive midfielder dropping in between. Right. Well, right. and to be fair to Burhalter on this one, I don't think that's necessarily a a dumb tactic. I think putting your best your midfielder and Tyler Adams at right back so you can play this way is dumb. And I also think playing in you know such a such a rigid uh, such a rigid system with an international team is dumb, especially when none of these players have played together. I mean, we've talked about it before. They're not Barca, you know. They're not Barcelona and Spain. They're not Bayern Munich and Germany. 
Uh, yeah. None of these players play together. So, uh, but then again, I, but, I, I'd but, be totally fine if Bob was like, you know what? We're going to have Beta come into the midfield because that's where I feel like he's the best in possession. Because mm-hmm. that's something we can work on every single day on the training grounds as opposed to what we do with the national team. Yeah. And again, and then I think the, frust- like, so the frustrating thing is this for as for as much as they've time as they've had to fix some of these different things, the mistakes are this, this, the same mistakes are continuing to be made in terms of, you know, balance and some of those things. And, and again, just understanding, having an understanding of where people should be when they're supposed to be, you know, and again, I, I expect that to happen amongst the front three due to, again, like a new, uh, you know, you're trying to, you know, bring in a new person and so on and so forth. But from a midfield that's played, 85 to 90 percent of the season together again it, it's again it wasn't pretty and again and it hasn't been pretty for the last four or yeah. five games seemingly since they were basically trying to you know break down the galaxy by kicking the ball as hard as they can forward through you know a their midfield block right right i guess what it really comes down to for me is i think the easiest thing to change right now and probably the deepest position on the team at this point is fullback. So I think that's where you start. You start um, with, like we said, Blackman, who I think is ready. Uh, you might need Betashore to come in and provide some veteran defensive minutes, uh, and that's understandable. But I think Blackman's ready to come in and uh, be an attacking threat, and he obviously has better recovery speed. We saw that a couple times on, on Saturday night. And you just brought in Palacios, so throw him out there on the at left back and see if he can win some of these one-on-one matchups on the wing in the attacking third. And if you're still not comfortable with him, we know that El Munir is serviceable. Uh, you know, at at best or you know, worst case scenario, he's not going to be your weakest link on the team. So yeah. Well, I mean, I think the concerning to me thing to me though is like, you know, you can make that change, but but the midfield still has to figure out this whole. You know, like I said that understanding of when to go and when to sit. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that, because again, to me more than, more than what the fullbacks are or aren't doing, I honestly think that's probably the part that's caused the most amount of issue to the flow of the offense. I didn't think right. is that for whatever reason, there's, there's, there's just that inability to have a, an awareness of the situation you know, and then knowing, you know, and then just having tactical awareness too. It's like, if you see that this is the way that, you know, like you came out maybe expecting Toronto to play in a five man backline, which they've had in the past and done with, you know, much success playing, you know, more of like a five, three, two ish or so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when, when Giovinco there it was like a five, three, one, one, right. Where you had the five, five backs, three, three midfielders, and then Giovinco and Josie sitting up high. Right. And so as you kind of go through there, you just, ex- again, you just ex- expect them to try and understand, you know, again, just that, that awareness and knowing when to get, you know, when to make these situations or make these decisions. And it just hasn't been there. And again, I think that's the more frustrating thing is it for as, for as a, much of a problem as some of these things have been over the last five games. And I think to a certain degree, it's probably even longer than that. But again, Vela's brilliance has largely papered over some of those cracks. Mm-hmm. You just haven't seen the team grow to fix some of the deficiencies they've had as of late. And I, 
and the scary thing is that that's what you basically saw towards the end of last season was through the what the last five to ten games it was this making the same mistake is what cost them you know three or four of those losses yeah and then i think it's cost us probably at, at minimum two wins that we probably should have had had there been a little bit more you know just disciplined right in, in the way that right. they play right i think the reason i i target the fullbacks here again is one is that they're the deepest position whereas in the midfield like you have lee win and then that's it there's nobody else so you can you can choose to replace one of your midfielders uh other than that it's it's literally just trying to pound it into their heads like hey this is the way you need to play instead um and maybe I'm a, being a little overly optimistic here, but if you assign the attacking responsibilities to, let's say, Palacios and Blackman, then you can tell the midfield to hang back a little bit more. And when I say the midfield hanging back, I, I specifically mean Blessing and and K. You know, you guys are out there to provide more support in the center of the fi- of the field. Don't worry about getting so far forward. You know, you can run onto balls late in the box kind of thing um, because we have the support from the fullbacks. So maybe, again, maybe that's overly optimistic on my part, but that's that's where I'm coming from on that. Yeah, you know, and again, I think it's, you know, you just hope that it's change that they're able to make sooner than later, you know, again. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, you just wonder, again, it's, to me, it's just one of those things, you, there has to be growth. Right, and especially through this last phase as we enter into the very last phase of the season, you know, and then even again, just try to make sure that we're locking down home field advantage for the rest of, you know, for the rest of the year, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you just haven't seen some of those things come off. So I think like I said, that that's where most of the frustration lies, in my opinion. Well, I mean, they can lock down the home field advantage tomorrow. All they got to yeah. do is beat a team that they beat while rotating the squad away. So presumably... It shouldn't be all that difficult. And we've already talked a little bit about them, but anything else you want to bring up about Houston before we play them tomorrow? No, I mean, it's the return of Christian Ramirez. So, I mean, yes. if, he, if if he goes, I mean, and he's been on a tear as of late. So, if he goes off, right, I mean, I, I be, and plays well, you know, expect, expect there to be, you know, a little bit more alarmism than usual. Yes, right? uh, and, the, and, the LAFC Facebook page is going to literally melt. Yeah, I mean, and it's been bad as of late, you know, for various reasons and whatnot, you know, and obviously, you know, I've pushed back, you know, I tend to push back against most of that, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, again, it, I I can I can see be- becoming full red alert, you know, if, yeah, if yeah. Christian Ramirez has good game. I mean, I'm, I'm still on board with them moving. I mean, we were paying him 600 grand to not score goals and not play a whole lot of meaningful minutes. So I'm, I'm fine with the move. And even if he does score a hundred goals, then, you know, he wasn't doing it for us. So he, I mean, he's obviously wasn't that great of a fit for us. So we're trying to move on. I, and uh, hopefully none of those goals come against us when he goes absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we did have one question. Let me try and pull it up here before we get out of here for the night. Um, anything else you want to get into while I'm looking for this real fast? No, I mean, like I said, I think it's just one of those ones where, you know, you you just, as 
I think it's one of those things where the the issues that or the team is having are things that are definitely it's not one that I think you're going to solve with purely personnel things yeah right from in a game by game situation yeah there's going to be some personnel things that you can change to give you different opportunity different matchups but from a philosophy standpoint they have to get back to basics and really just make sure that you get back to doing things like just passing and moving and you started to see it a little bit maybe from like the 60th minute and on you start you know some of the the interplay between vela and the wings was starting to come there you know the you know and it made sense in terms of the ideas that they had, you know, and again, I think you're, you're probably right that black men providing a little bit more width along that right hand side. Now, you know, give, it gives defenders more to think about, you know, in terms of how they're going to attack that, that triangle, mm-hmm. you know, and again, it, at that point, it's just a matter of making sure that they, again, nail down some of these little things and little issues that they've been having along the way, Yeah, you know, and then kind of going from there. Yep. Well, the question we got uh, is admittedly not a question. This comes from Incha del LAFC at Zona LAFC. This is not a question, but we should get a number nine and not a false nine so we can start trying to score goals from centers. We run the wings, so why not center the ball to a full number nine with the ability to score headers? Uh, We've kind of talked about this a little bit, and I don't disagree. Um Josh, if you don't mind getting into some <laughs> transfer talk right now outside of the transfer window, well, we can kind of I mean, address this. This is, this is where actually I, I, I kind of want to push back a little bit, right? Because if when you look at the, like, you know, and again, this is probably getting a little bit more into the, the, the statistics weeds, but the expected goals for crosses into the box and playing headers is very low. Right. right? And on aerial crosses, yeah. Not, on aerial crosses, right? And so you know, having a target striker, you know, there's a reason why the best teams in the world don't play that way anymore. Right. Yeah. So look, look across the board, look at, look at all of the last, what, five, damn, probably even 10, right? Look at the last five to 10 Champions League winners in Europe. None of them play with a target striker. Yeah. And the team that three-peated had arguably the best target striker of all time and he didn't play as a target striker in cristiano no. ronaldo yeah and, and again they in he played on the left wing exactly with a, yep. a false yep. nine in kareem benzema dropping into space to create room mm-hmm. you know for for you to now play with the ball at your feet right and 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 to do those different things and and it, again it's it's why bob decided to play the team in that manner because again it's 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 probably the most effective way of breaking down blocks but you have to have movement. You have to have balance. You have to have smart play. And the issues that they're kind of that the team is having has not been an inability to score goals, right? Maybe right. over the last game or two, right? But if you again, you have to look at like this team has scored, you know, like it's second most goals I think already to you know in in league history. Yeah. Only to a team, an LA Galaxy team. That play, I think that played with that weird, you know, with the weird penalty kick rule and mm-hmm. or not penalty kick. It was the yeah, there was no, there was a shootout at, at the no end drops, of every game. Yeah, I don't yeah, know there if was no draws. counted or not, but um, I'm pretty sure I don't know. But even then, right? So you just like things like that, you know. It's that's why I like again when it comes to you know like oh we need this target, you know, for a particular moment maybe, right? 
But yeah. to me, it's not the it's not the way that you want to play. You know, you're you really want to play because again, it hasn't shown across world football at the highest levels to be a very good way of playing. Because ask Slatan how many you know for as good as he is, right? And he at times he's been the best, one of the top three to five players in the world. How many Champions Leagues has he won? Yeah, right. The answer is zero. I mean, look at how frustrated he gets with his teammates because the crosses don't come in exactly right. Because, I mean, you're talking about a, something with a, you know, that requires a, an excellent cross and the right person to be in the right place at the right time. Um, it's not, it's not, like you said, statistically, it's not the, the smartest way to play. However, I will throw them a bone here and say that I, I do agree that you're going to need another number nine going into next season because I don't I don't know if you can depend on Dio um, with the injuries and now he's gone and I know this seems to be more of like a family issue or something as opposed to you know some sort of substance abuse problem but I mean he hasn't produced like he like he did last year and you just I, I see him as a massive unknown now going into next season and again we have an entire off season to talk about this stuff but I think you probably throw Tam money at a decent number nine. And uh, if you sell Rosa, you go get a, a midfielder with DP money. But yeah, those would be my I, two you know, moves. I still don't expect, I still don't expect, you know, if they, you know, I, I, I would, I would see a Tam striker probably in the future, but I don't, you know, don't expect it to be a, a big, a big number nine in the way that you have Zlatan or those types of right, things. Right, right. I mean, I, for me, for me, the, the smart crosses are, are crosses across the the six or cutbacks from the end line. That's yeah. my preferred way to, to cross the ball into the middle. Well, and I think that I think by the numbers that's the best way to actually do it. You know, again, and so but you don't need a number nine to finish that off, right? Sergio Aguero right, has right. made a career over the last three to four years, you know, and by doing that and he's what, five foot eight? Yeah. Right? You know, and so again I think we get caught you know, we've gotten we get caught up in these positional things and those types of things. You just need a finisher through and through a guy that's going to put himself in the right places at the right times. And again, that can, that can come in a lot of various things, but you know, I, I still don't expect the way that the way that we play to change. So again, saying it's a nine, a true nine versus a false nine. No, they're, they're going to continue to play that because it gives space on the, it allows for space on the wings for for your your big money guys that being Villa and Rodriguez right you know space to move right, right. so i think that's probably what you're going to continue to see in terms of who who what who they may bring in next and that sort of thing mm-hmm. plenty of things to think about as the season wraps up hopefully uh we have another month or so before we have to start discussing this though because our season is still going on uh Josh anything else for tonight no, you know, obviously we just look forward to the next one. You know, you, you you hope that with another day and another opportunity for these guys to continue to play together, again, you get back to principles, you get back to playing, you know, that, that brand of football that got you here. You know, again, yeah. you can add, you add tactical wrinkles right here and there based on what the other team is giving you. But at the end of the day, it's your principles that got you here. And again, I think that's what they have to get back to and get, start to remember is yeah and the movement and those types of things and i think that that's ultimately what's going to get us back to where you know we've 
we've gotten used to be and where I think ultimately we want to be for the rest of the season. Yeah. Three games left. You win tomorrow, you get the supporter shield. Uh, I think you need one more win and a draw and you set the, the points record, right? For, mm-hmm. um, that'll get you to 72. I think, um, Vela can still break Joseph Martinez's record. It seems like Zlatan's going to keep scoring until the end of the season. So he's got to stay, uh, he's got to get a few more to stay atop the golden boot race. Um, still plenty of stuff to to see over the next three games here. Hopefully they can string together some wins, like you say, and ride a high into the playoffs. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore on Twitter. You can email us at the counterpress show at gmail.com. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey and Josh. Over at LAFC, Josh. All right. And we will talk to you all tomorrow night following the Houston game, hopefully to discuss LAFC's first hardware because they are going to win the Supporter Shield. So look forward to it. And Josh, we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Have a good one. All right.